Today on episode 104 of the Home of Play podcast, we get new details that host Mark is developing a new game. Grand Turismo 7's microtransactions are live, and it's not great. And Crunchyroll is going to be absorbing all Funimation content for the ultimate anime library. All that, and not a hell of a lot more today. Let's get some intro. Happy Monday and welcome home, everyone, to episode 104 of the Home of Play podcast, where every Monday the two best friends join forces to give you the latest in PlayStation rumors, news, reviews, and that is because we are the true PlayStation fans. I'm your host, Steve, and with me, I'm joined by the King of Platinum Trophies himself, Christopher. Hello, hello. The Home of Play podcast is a self-supported podcast. We don't include any of that bias or paid for opinion stuff that you do not need here. This allows us to bring you the PlayStation news that you actually need or want to know. All of our content is free for you to enjoy at your leisure. We only ask you to help support the show by subscribing to the Home of Play podcast, by telling your friends, family, and the wizards about the show, and that they can find us in all your favorite podcast services of choice, such as Spotify, Apple, or Amazon. Every month we're growing, it's all because of lovely gaming homies, helping to spread the cause through the power of word of mouth. If you have any comments, questions, or complaints, please send any of those to our email address, homeofplaypodcast at gmail.com. And then we can read your questions on the show or alone private while we discuss all the Elden Ring fun that we've had in this past week. On today's episode, we have a few news articles. Not a lot happened this week, but it's kind of nice and refreshing because we've had such packed shows. You know, sometimes it gets a little tough to get all that weekly news in a tight 60 minutes that we like so much here. The timely fashion we talk about. So, Chris, before we get into what actually happened this week, Let's talk about what happened last week with your gaming week. Well, I'll skip to some of the other ones first. Um, Lots of Lost Ark. uh, Definitely playing that on the daily. Um, But not every day. There's actually one or two days where I didn't play. And I didn't feel like I was like missing out by not doing like the dailies and stuff, which is kind of a good thing. Like the game gives you a little bit like there's some weekly events, but you have like enough time to get through those. Uh, you could skip a day or two here and there and not feel like you're, you know, that FOMO feeling if you're missing out. So still loving that game. Uh, just on to the next continent, which is great. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am to just keep playing that game. I, I'm so surprised that I know I put money into it, but it is a free game. Anybody can play it. It's It's so good. This is in my opinion, the new standard for these types of games. I have a feeling that uh, Blizzard with Diablo 4 saw what this game is doing, and they're like, ooh. Like, they probably don't have the same content to match even a, a sliver of some of this, which is a little harsh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think that's uh, one possible reason why Diablo 4 is still kind of on the back burner, where they're still trying to work it out and figure out what they want to do with it, because this one's just really really hit the ball of the park so uh other than that uh the other game i was playing on pc was the division two i still turn that on every once in a while with one of my buddies we play the whole game pretty much co-op we (laughs) it's fun funny story but we we thought we were at the end of the game like the game told us there's a couple missions left uh but we're like okay let's finish it so we thought we were doing the very last mission and then the we got this message on our screen saying advancing to world tier one which the first game had world tiers, but essentially all it did was 
increase the difficulty of all the enemies and you'd get better loot. This is essentially the same thing, although when this activated, it like our whole map went red and there's like n- new missions all over the place. Places we cleared are now full of enemies again. So now we have to like go through almost you don't not as many missions. I think there's like a dozen or so, but it's pretty much like going through the whole game again with everything a little bit harder. There's a new threat. Like they try to explain why they why this is happening. Like some military force moved in and took all your places for some reason. So, and there's like this whole like special event area, like that has weeklies and stuff. So it's like the whole game freaking opened up and we're like, Oh man, we we thought we were done. We, I think we're both at like maybe the 30 to 40 hour range. It's like, okay, this, this is a good game. And it's like, we're kind of ready to move on. And it's like, Oh shit. Now there's like way more to do. So as far as I know, the original game, I think had five world tiers. So I assume this one has probably the same three to five. Um, I don't think the other world tiers are going to do the same thing where like new missions activate because I noticed there was in the top right corner, there was like a, there's gear level now, which wasn't a thing before, but if you're above 300, it, it's going to advance you to world tier two. So I think it's going to do that automatically. So I have a feeling it's just the difficulty is going to get harder, but it's not going to reset all the missions every single time. I hope not. Anyway, I'm just like, I'm willing to do it one more time to get through it, but if it's going to do it every world tier, that's a little, that's a little excessive. So, but enjoying that, it's like I said, it's a fun co-op game. It runs really smoothly. Um, just trying to look for some unique gear. There is like some unique gear, but I get tons of copies of these guns. So it's, they're very easy to drop. But other than that, the big one that you and I both played, I'll probably let you talk more about it, but Elden Ring, uh, having a blast with it. Um, defeated the first what i would say major boss or the boss i he was the one that was in the trailers for the game i think right if i'm not mistaken so i defeated that guy uh plus a, a slew of other minor bosses uh looks like almost every cave has some sort of boss at the end of it uh enjoying the mechanics i don't have too many issues yeah you got some frame rate dips but whatever the game's so good it's just like ah whatever it doesn't isn't too affecting so, yeah, just overall really enjoying the game. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing with you, getting through some areas. The game's definitely harder. Like, it's, sometimes it's it's weird to, like, judge, but some areas feel much harder playing co-op because everything's a lot healthier and stronger. Some of the bosses I've had, I had more trouble doing some of the bosses with you and, and mm-hmm. Sam. And... and then I try the boss solo when I did it in like three tries. So it was like, I don't know. It's just that extra level of difficulty. Like my character is pretty squishy. So I could get on the harder difficulty because there's more people. I can die like a nearly two hits. So as opposed to when I'm by myself where I can take at least two, maybe three hits enough time to take a potion or whatever, heal yourself up. So. Really enjoying the game. Looking forward to getting Running back like to it. a psychopath and getting <laughs> murdered. <laughs> <laughs> only, only when the boss is down to like one-tenth of health. That's oh, when I go crazy like... mode and die. Yeah. But other than that, that's pretty much been my gaming week. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of fun. Looking forward to jumping into all three of those games some more. Um, yeah. How about yourself? I know what you've been doing for the most of the week. <laughs> yeah, I put in at least 30 hours in the Elden Ring this past week. Um, 
you know, this one's interesting. Like I, overall, I mean, am I enjoying it? Absolutely. Uh, it's another great game. I'm starting to think some of the reviews were a little too high because, you know, like we, you briefly mentioned, there's issues, frame rate issues. And although I think we're not having too bad of a time with those small issues, I know PCs having a lot worse issues. Um, you know, there's popping stuff like that, whatever it, again, it doesn't like break the game in any way, but you know, we, that should be brought into a review in my opinion. Uh, because you know, you are told like, Hey, there's a performance mode. Hey, 60 frames per second lock on performance mode. That doesn't work. And therefore, how can you give this thing a 10? Um, and then I guess my other issue I have with this game, and I'm just trying to get the cons over with so we can talk about all the pros. Cause there's, you know, pros completely outweigh the cons, but I guess my other issue would be, there's a lot of people contacting me about this game, asking if they should get it. Uh, because you know they're buying into the hype and i understand that but i feel like from software has kind of given people the wrong message about the accessibility of this version you know miyazaki himself talked about how he believes more people will finish this souls game than any other uh you know they talk constantly about how they're giving you different ways of being this game like cooperative stuff like that um and that is not true at all this is by far the hardest souls game right off the bat too like i've never had hit such a wall so quickly as i have with elden ring uh i think any other souls games i feel like they do a good job of slowly ramping it up to get you ready for you know the insanity you're about to witness this game does not do that at all. You can go, it, it literally only takes you, and this isn't much of a spoiler, but like five minutes to get to the first real boss from when you start the game. And he will, you know, kick your shit in for as long as he has to. And you either have to be perfection or you need to now go out and grind for, I would say, no less than five hours. Yeah, you, you have need to, to know what you're doing. Of, yes. And you need to gear up and do all these other things. So, the, you know, the, even in interviews, they talked about like, well, you can mainline this in 30 hours. There's absolutely no way that's possible unless you're that perfect guy that can just never be hit. Because if you try to go to a lot of these bosses and you didn't grind, you didn't level up, you didn't explore for better gear and different builds, you're going to get one shotted. And then I guess my other issue is that like, then, you know, as they've discussed, Go play multiplayer. It will make it easier. It absolutely does not make things easier. I've, I've noticed this in other Souls games before, but it's never been more egregious than this, where if you invite a friend in, these bosses' health pools almost double, and their damage almost doubles. And it's suddenly, like Chris mentioned, it's harder to beat some of these bosses with your friends when you can go in by yourself, summon uh, an NPC summon, then use your ashes to summon more NPCs. And honestly, it's way easier in that aspect because then they're at least their health pools don't double and they're not doing as much damage. So when you told me about one boss in particular that, you know, we failed multiple times with you, me and another friend at least 10 times over, suddenly you were able to beat him first try by yourself. And then 
I was just like, there's no way that's possible. So then I tried and same thing. First try, I killed him by myself. So I'm just like, okay, you've made multiplayer uh, hindrance to actually progressing. And I just, again, from just the difficulty I've seen, there's no way more people are going to beat this game uh, than any other one. I actually, I would, I would completely say Demon's Souls is way easier than this. Uh, Dark Souls uh, Remastered or the original one is way easier than this. And in some ways, I would say this one scales with Dark Souls 3, but even the first half of Dark Souls 3 isn't this hard. One thing I want to definitely add to that is there's a mechanic in the game where you can write messages on the floor to give people oh, hints yeah. for things. And we can see all the trolls and, and p- stupid people who leave dumb messages all over the place. One thing that you and I both noticed is as soon as you get past that first like relatively difficult boss, those messages decrease by like almost 90%. I, yeah. I'm seeing those messages like way, way less than before. So it's like uh, these people, like you could tell they're just, they're playing whatever they're doing what they're doing, but they, they are not getting past these bosses because these messages are dying out significantly faster. Yeah. And then I guess the last con for me specifically in my experience is the favoritism towards magic. Again, like, you know, I feel like this is a constant in every Souls game where, Chris, as you've experienced in Demon Souls, uh, as soon as you got that fire spell, like even in New Game Plus, you were one shotting bosses. Yeah. Um, or maybe not one shotting, but, you know, Significantly. you use it twice. Yes. And it was it was insane. Well, it's even worse in Elden Ring. I feel like magic is so overpowered. In fact, I just watched a video yesterday. Uh, where a guy explains that if you do everything in his video, you'll essentially be able to one hit any boss in the game. <laughs> and I just, you know, and it, it, and I think it's more offensive to me this time around because, it, and I have multiple friends that agree with me. They've basically destroyed strength builds, at least from what we've experienced so far, where there's almost no reward to trying even. And I would say any melee class, I just feel like it's so much harder for us. And then, yeah, you see these sorcerer classes and they're just like basically laughing and they're all having a good time. They're, you know, they're making cupcakes. They're just not sweating whatsoever. And I just feel like, why do we keep getting punished? I feel like every souls, souls game that comes out, it just seems to get harder for melee builds and sorcerers just seems to get easier and easier. So, you know, there's a lot, as always, there's these arguments where there needs to be an easy mode. That's that's sorcery. A hundred percent. You want easy mode sorcery, especially now that you can summon NPCs most of the times in most fights, um, you know, they'll be your tank. And so you can just sit back again, drink your latte, do whatever you have to Maybe trim your fingernails and just shoot and, you know, cast some magic in the background and you're probably going to have an easy time. And I think that's, I don't know, like I said, it gets a little offensive sometimes when you just hit these walls and these bosses get so much harder. They're so much more intense. Uh, You know, I I don't want to spoil anything, but there's one I came across that, that is optional, but he's so in your face. He's so aggressive that I just like as a melee build, you're just you know, you're kind of taken aback and it's definitely a skill fight. And I think that was the intent, but oh my gosh, like, it's just, you know, it just all the time. I don't want to do a mage build, but 
I just sometimes think about it. I'm like, oh, man, would I just be loving life a little bit more? Um, but yeah, that, that's all the negatives. The positives, though, the expiration, exploration, sorry, um, is amazing. Um, I'm loving that. Uh, the, the areas, the environments, you know, it's just, I do still have fun. Although some of the bosses get ridiculously hard, cooperative play is still just so fun. Um, you know, me and, uh, Curtis friend of the show kept getting invaded like invasions are definitely happening more often now that i've left most of the starting area um but you know that's been interesting uh i think we've only lost once we we were doing pretty good together um so invasions are fun the the npc storylines you know that those have been kind of cool i do feel like this one although it doesn't give you everything i i am enjoying that there is a little more story sprinkled out with the actual conversations and it's not Although it's there, I I feel like in this one, you don't necessarily have to read every item description, which I kind of like, I prefer. Um, so I'm enjoying that as well. Um, yeah, combat smooth. I will say I'm definitely happier that I feel like the roles are like a nice hybrid between Demon Souls and Dark Souls 3. Like, in fact, there's a little, like, if you do it perfectly, the, um, I, I forget how they call it, like the hitboxes or the iframes um there is a moment of invincibility so as long as you do in the right moment it doesn't matter or seem to matter what direction you go so that's been kind of nice so as long as you can time that stuff but i will say one of the i've seen many memes about is you know people being like me understanding rolling me also waiting 30 40 minutes for the boss to stop charging up one attack so i finally roll and i'm like yeah that's a good point because some of these bosses they just hold and charge forever and you're just like okay i get it this is how you're supposed to like mess with me a little bit, but just release the attack already. Otherwise, loving it. Like I said, all the secrets, all the hidden stuff, the exploration, it's all rewarding. Um, you know, and I like having an option. I, I like that this one doesn't feel like if you do hit a difficulty wall that you're just stuck and there's no way you can progress anymore like the traditional Souls game. So that's been really great. Um, and I just honestly like simplified. I can't wait to play more. You know, there's certain times where I'm really down on it and I, I just kind of feel like, Hey, I need to do something else. And then other days I pick it up and I have the most rewarding game session in a long time. So man, do I like me some Elden Ring though? Whoop whoop. So I think we've talked about enough of what we've been doing and, uh, we can just get into the news. So Battlefield 2042 is currently less popular than Battlefield 1, 4, and 5 on Steam. This one comes from IGN. Per Steam DB data, Battlefield 2042 has seen a maximum of just 2,090 players online in the last 24 hours, compared to 2,195 in Battlefield 4, 7,498 in Battlefield 1, and 21,709 in Battlefield 5. Battlefield 4 arrived in 2013, and it's a, ma a marker of how troubled the latest game in the series has been that a much older version is seeing more activity. The popularity of Battlefield 2042 on Steam has gradually declined since it was released in November last year and currently sits at less than 2% of its original player base of 105,397 players, even seen decline through a free weekend in December. Uh, so yeah, I basically summarized a lot of that article, but you get the meat and potatoes on that one, and it uh, does not sound like people are enjoying Battlefield uh, 
2042, Chris. Well, you know, it's just it's this is all because of the Halo release date, right? Uh, that when Halo released a surprise Battlefield play, and they're all like, "Oh no, we're not going to be ready. Oh, you guys are just going to have to play a shitty game now." Damn. Well, a how dare Halo release a finished game? <laughs> Damn them. Um, how dare they? And B, it, yeah, I honestly, I don't know when. And how can you even blame Halo? And I think, honestly, there was another article I saw. I didn't bother including it. But it does seem like they're trying to walk back on that guilt. Uh, For sure. Because it's dumb. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, so then you look at this and it's just like, man, if Battlefield 4, which I personally loved, it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite Battlefields, is having slightly more players right now. This game came out nine years ago and it has a higher player base. I, I just... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, the the next big announcement that they're going to probably say is that they're going to shut down the servers for the old games. <laughs> oh, you know what? Honestly, like that would look really bad, but it doesn't seem like it's out of the realm of possibility right now. Uh, yeah, well, you know, they got to cut costs, right? The, the new game didn't do well because of the players. Damn you players. Now they got to shut down the servers because those are too expensive. They're old. <laughs> I don't know. It's just... Come on, make make it make a better game. It's a first person shooter. You're making more and more that you've been doing it for so long. Like it's I don't think it's an overly complicated formula, especially like it's when some of them don't have storylines and it's just multiplayer and others do have some storylines and you're cutting features out of some pasting features into another one like ah, just. And you know what? Like, honestly, like. It's EA. They have the FIFA money. They have well, yep. all the sports games money. You could have delayed this literally an entire year, actually got this working. And I know they didn't know this at the time, but the reward would have been you could have come out in a year that there would have been no Call of Duty in the longest time, mm-hmm. which then would have amplified your game sales. It would have done and, amazing, yeah. Yeah. And on, honestly, the fans would have been happier. You would have had a bigger player base. It would have been like the perfect opportunity to see growth in that series and franchise and you pissed it all away and what did halo do halo took a year to make sure it was finished and yes there's gripes you could make graphical jokes because you know it looks a little dated and this and that but hey at least it works like i said i didn't enjoy the game that much i think it's another halo but man that thing runs at 144 frames on my pc i had like it worked and you can't make that comparison with battlefield so what do you, I don't know. I, it just seems like they missed a huge window of opportunity here. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to, I feel like the problem is, is like you say, if they waited that extra year, that would have been perfect for them. Now, what are they going to do? Can, do they, do they have it in them to release another battlefield like next year? I, I no. I don't think they can do it. Like they just can't. No. If they even tried, which I, I don't think they will, but even if they, I don't know. In, ingested so many drugs that they even thought that was a possibility you just release another broken game and you know then i feel like you've killed the franchise i don't know if they can afford to really ruin another battlefield honestly no they can't they are they, they, they really can't and honestly dice like we haven't had a critically acclaimed dice game since probably battlefront and that was the first one and even that one you know there's a few gripes you know it didn't have a lot of content at launch but it worked. It looked good. It's probably the best running it game they've really had good. in a long time. And 
you know, it was probably the only one that wasn't plagued by tons of like online issues either. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You haven't released anything since then, man. Like, I don't even know why they're letting the keeping the lights on there. Like EA's really, I mean, it sounds like they're investing harder into dice. I just don't know why. I, I don't feel like dice has given them a reason to other than, you know, they're the only people that seem to know how to use the dice engine and sorry, the frostbite engine. But even then, are they? Because even they can't seem to make a polish game with it. Mm-hmm. You know, Battlefront just seems like a fluke if it's one out of five. Yeah. So anyway, we can move on. I I don't know why, but every time I bring up dice, I die a little <laughs> inside. Blood pressure increases. <laughs> 100%. GSC Game World puts Stalker 2 development on sidelines amidst ongoing Ukraine conflict. This one comes from Game Informer. GSC Game World, which voiced its support for its home country of Ukraine last week, has put the development of its upcoming shooter Stalker 2, Hard Chernobyl, on the sidelines amidst the ongoing conflict happening in the Ukraine. GSC Game World, based in Ukraine, revealed in a new video that Stalker 2 was sidelined to focus on employee safety and support. In a video posted by GSC Game World, they say, The previous week, we were editing the video about our motion capture studio, We wanted to show how the cutscenes were created, took time to watch videos, write scripts, and speak with actors. The previous week was ages ago. On the 24th of February, Russia declared war on Ukraine and sent rockets, tanks, and soldiers to our homeland. Our country is forced to fight for existence again. Seems like this is the price of freedom. This video is our answer to the how are you guys question. Now we are striving to help our employees and their families survive. The game development shifted to the sidelines, but we will definitely continue after the victory. Glory to Ukraine. So I don't feel like I have the knowledge to dive deeper into the story. I just wanted to put it out there so people understand. And I hope we all go educate ourselves more on the situation. I I try to refrain from doing anything political, but this directly does affect a game that people have been looking forward to. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be released in December uh, after a recent delay uh, later for the PlayStation. Cause I do think it's timed exclusive for uh, Microsoft, but all I, you know, really the only thing I feel like I'm qualified to say is like, you know, good for you guys do what you need to do. I'm glad you're standing by your employees and safety, safety first, always. And, you know, take all the time you need. Like, I don't think there's even the normal trolls can't be so stupid and vain that they would mind waiting, you know, over the safety of your employees. So, yeah, no, I, I second that, uh, stay safe. That's the priority. I don't think anybody, it's hard to sit back and imagine the world we live in and this is happening in it right now. It's just mind boggling that this is, this is a thing. (laughs) <laughs> that's happening yeah. you know so yeah stay safe uh the employees are like that's the priority keeping safety is number one so no you guys do what you have to and we'll be patient and we'll wait and any honestly like seeing this kind of stuff makes me so happy that i mean obviously not all of it makes me happy but just them taking the right steps makes me like i normally tell people don't pre-order this makes me kind of want to pre-order the game Mm -hmm. and support them for making the right decisions here yeah so moving on is gta 5 on ps5 a free upgrade for ps4 players probably not 
This one comes from Push Square. Rockstar has just dropped a load of new details regarding the PlayStation 5 version of Grand Theft Auto 5, but there's still one important question that Rockstar hasn't properly answered. Will there be any kind of upgrade path for the PS4 players? There's no mention of pricing or free upgrades in any of the material that Rockstar has sent over, so we're assuming that there probably won't be an upgrade path for GTA 5 PS4 owners to follow. It's also worth noting that GTA Online will be free for PS Plus subscribers on PlayStation 5 starting from the 15th of March and lasting for three months. Uh, just editor's notes, the original GTA 5 <laughs> launched in 2013 uh, for the PS3. So a lot of 2013s this episode. Mm -hmm. Chris, are you excited for having to rebuy GTA 5? <laughs> uh, I already have the game on PC, so it's probably like that's where i'm gonna get like my best performance out of it so i think i also do have it on the playstation as well but i it either way i haven't played the game enough to get my value out of it um and just based on what i'm reading and hearing from this article i have a high suspicion that like i agree with the article that it's probably not going to be a free upgrade especially when they're talking about how gta online will be free for playstation plus subscribers so I very much suspect that this is not going to be a free upgrade and it's disappointing. Like we know they're making mad stacks <laughs> off their online service and just the game in general. Um, like it, it would be probably like the consumer friendly thing to do uh, is to give it for free since at least for the people who already own it. Right. Cause it, I don't yeah. think GTA five has ever been a PlayStation plus game before like on the on the PlayStation 4. So Yeah, I don't know. For me it doesn't matter to me. Like I said I already have it on PC, so I'm good. Yeah, I guess my complaint would be if these numbers are correct. I just looked it up while you're speaking, but it looks like GTA 5 potentially has sold 160 million units only. Now I get a lot of those probably aren't full price, but I just I'm like, why do you need more money? And even allowing the online to be free with PlayStation Plus subscribers, that's only for three months. Yeah. And if there's no upgrade path, you're not going to support those who supported you, especially when we talk about other news later in the episode. It just seems more ridiculous. And yeah, I don't know. I just see a lot of dumb decisions being made by Rockstar lately. Uh, you know, we can talk about the definitive trilogy that shit the bed at release. Um, it's just a lot of slaps to people's faces, it feels like. And I mean, what are you going to say? I could tell you that like, oh, they're going to feel this later when GTA 6 comes out. And I know I'm wrong. Yeah, I know people are going to line up, buy that game, yeah. millions of copies. How it seems sometimes that like, each person seems to buy six copies just to get, you know, I've heard some people make the claim that the reason it's sold so much is at some point the game was cheaper and would come with the online currency and it'd be cheaper to rebuy the game, get that currency than actually yeah. just buy the currency. And maybe that is true. Like, I don't know. It is kind of ridiculous. Like I said, it just feels like looking at the numbers that people bought this multiple times and it's just like, okay, that's kind of weird, but fantastic. Um, but I agree with you. I haven't touched this game since it first came. Like you could play it on the PS4. And so it's been so many years. This means nothing to me. And I don't care what overhauls, which I don't honestly believe in, uh, are going to show up on the PS5. 
it's just not going to make it worthy for me. Uh, we just it, have so much to play currently. It's so weird too because it's like, ever I think we all know that the game is a really good game. Like it's 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 already pretty polished. It runs well. It's fun. It's got a big massive story. The online play apparently people are interested in it. So it's like I, I don't know. It just boggles my mind. But it's just as enjoyable as it was nine years ago. So, exactly. You know, like that's my thing. Whatever. But Moving on. Grand Turismo 7's microtransactions are live, and GT Sports $5 cars now cost $40. This one comes from VGC. There are four packs of credits available on the PlayStation Store, costing the following amounts each. For 100,000 credits, $2.49. 250,000 credits, $4.99. 750,000 credits, $9.99. And 2 million credits, $19.99. Cars in the game range from tens or hundreds of thousands of credits for lower spec vehicles to many millions of credits for the most high performance ones. Grand Turismo Sport lets players buy individual cars as microtransactions, with the vast majority of cars costing between $1 to $5 each. This is no longer the case in Grand Turismo 7. Now a Porsche 919 Hybrid 16 which can be bought for $3 in Gran Turismo Sport, can only be bought for 3 million credits, which would require the player to spend at least $40. There are numerous other examples, including the Aston Martin Vulcan 16, uh, $5 in GT Sport, is now 3.3 million credits in GT7, which is also $40. The McLaren P1 GTR 16, $5 in GT Sport, 3.6 million in GT7. And the Audi R18 TDI 11, uh, $3 in GT Sport is 3 million credits in GT7. If you buy all these cars, Steve, you might have enough money to buy an actual car. <laughs> well, you know what? Like, at least do one of your payments. Um, yeah, this seems a little egregious. Uh, definitely Very predatory, so. in my opinion. Now, I will say in the defense, you don't have to buy the microtransactions. You can acquire this through the game but i am hearing like a lot like especially the tune-up even the tune-up costs are like they're not realistic values like i can't remember one guy's main example but when i watched the review he was saying like even a turbo kit can sometimes cost like up to a million dollars and it's like there's no way in hell like a turbo kit for any car is going to cost a million dollars so it just seems predatory nature kind of like what i always bring up with uh my love hate for mortal Kombat 11 and how they did a lot of the same sneaky tactics. Um, yeah, I'm not loving this. You know, I always say that, like, these, you know, back in the day, you were getting, well, and even this, the examples, like, you spend $5 for something, okay, well, I guess at least it's only $5. Well, you know, we're talking about 20 to $40, and even the $40, yeah, okay, like, you, you could probably make it a little cheaper. Like, it looks like comparing the points, like, you could do $20 for the 2 million points, and then maybe you only buy like the ten dollar uh seven hundred and fifty yada yada yada, and then it's a little cheaper, like but even one car, like I think the cheapest you could get it would be thirty five dollars, you know, like so I don't know, it just seems a little crazy. What you're telling me though is GT seven is a free game, right? No, unfortunately it is not a free game. Yeah, th- that that blows me away because to me, I, I hate throwing around the pay to win, that, that terminology, 
But when you're paying for a car, the stats on those car are definitely going to be unique or they should be unique to that car, right? So it's like, I feel like this is kind of a pay to win thing where I'm going to spend $40 to buy this Aston Martin and I'm going to be able to wreck a lot of the regular cars that come in the base game. Now, if there's an Aston Martin in the game that's not quite the level of the Vulcan 16 or whatever and drives the exact same way, then I would argue like, well, then why charge $40 for a skin? But uh, this seems very not cool. Like I know uh, Gran Turismo is kind of the premium in driving simulation type games, I would say. But this seems very over the top. Uh, It seems like a lot of money. I don't know. I I can't wrap. I haven't played a GT since probably some of the early ones. But Mm -hmm. this seems very, very predatory, like you say. I'm not a fan of this. And I I don't think fans should be uh, supporting this type of thing. Like, that seems expensive. Like, maybe even the GT Sport, the $5 for cars and stuff. Honestly, I didn't know about that. Because I, I, I'm not really, I don't keep in the loop of uh, the Gran Turismo games. But even that was like, seems over the top. I know there are other games out there like, you know, Valorant and shooters where you're paying for weapon skins and stuff like that. But a weapon skin's one thing, but this is literally what I would say is quite possibly pay to win because these cars are going to all have different stats. So my fear too is that it's not even pay to win. My, like, I'm for my very limited grasp of GTA yeah. games and how they work. Because I don't games. think I've ever technically sorry, you're right, GT games and how very little I've actually ever played them. Um from my understanding, if I'm recalling this correctly, I feel like you would buy, let's say, the Audi R eighteen TDI eleven. Um, but wouldn't that just put you in the same class as other cars just as good? Yeah. So like it, it, it unfortunately, in my opinion, it sounds like it's not even pay to win. It's you spent $40 and you're just allowed to race other cars just as good at you. Yeah. As you sorry. I think that rings a bell. Um, yeah. And that is what terrifies me is like, you're spending all that money. It's not even pay to win. It's just pay to like enter a new play at that level yeah. of, of performance. Yeah. And that just seems somewhat, it's not worse, but it, for some reason to me feels like it's a little worse. Well, now it feels like they're keeping locked content away from you almost. Well, and, and that's the thing. I do want to reiterate, you, it doesn't seem like it. you are forced to actually spend this money. It would just be if you don't want to grind for cash. And like I said, the game does seem tweaked to make sure that you're almost always empty on the funds. And that's where I'm, I'm getting a little worried. Again, I haven't played this game. I don't know enough. I guess overall, I would just like to say is be careful. And I would hope you don't support these practices Mm -hmm. and i guess that's the the neatest way to sum this one up yeah uh but anyway we'll move on we we need to talk about something a little happier uh housemark is developing a new game but it isn't returnal 2 this one comes from game informer in an award show interview with venture beat and an array of other outlets narrative director gregory lunden uh game director henry krueger and managing director ilari kutinen Hopefully I'm saying that right. We're asked about the future housemark among other topics in quotes in a time where games are changing. The people playing them are changing. How do you hold on to your identity? 
we had our stint working on multiplayer games because a few years back, it seemed like you needed to have some kind of multiplayer experience. We tried that. We really didn't do it well, but it's early days with us starting a new game, a new IP, concepting it out. We'll see what comes with that. So it's not a big news article, obviously. It's just them admitting it's a new IP. I think the biggest takeaway is, even though it's a little surprising, um, don't expect a Returnal 2, uh, which right I'm away. okay with. I think Returnal was strong enough, and it spoke to the people it's supposed to speak to. It was a great experience for those who have played it. They enjoyed it. And I like that they can just move on and they're going to give us something totally different. And maybe this will speak to a, a total other group of audience uh, or a totally different audience. And I, I like the sounds of all of that. And they're a very unique studio. So I'm going to keep my ears tuned in for whatever we ever hear. But, you know, I obviously this is another one where I'm not. Don't, you know, stay up at night. Yeah, because I don't think we're going to hear about this again for a while. Probably not. Yeah, I'm a a pretty big fan of Housemark. Uh, I'm very excited to go back to Returnal at some point because uh, I know I only finished the first act, even though I thought it was like the game, <laughs> but I only finished the first act. So I'm excited to go back to it at some point. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of interested. I'm, I'm, this is one of those uh, game companies that I'm going to be keeping my eye on to see what they're going to do next. And it sounds like what they're talking about is that it's going to have some sort of multiplayer aspect because they're, they're kind of talking like, you know, our, la- our previous multiplayer try wasn't that great, but we're looking at a new guy P, which, you know, just the way they're talking makes me makes it seem like it's going to be a multiplayer game, which is interesting. Uh, but based on other games they've done, it, who knows? I can't even predict what it's going to be. Well, and that's a really good point. They are really unpredictable. Um, I think the other thing I like, though, is like because they've been recently acquired by Sony, I would pr- probably bet a good amount of money that it's going to be another AAA experience, mm-hmm. which, again, is another reason to be excited. Yeah. The only thing that's not exciting, that's probably three years away. Yeah. So that's At all best. speculation. But what isn't speculation is our next article. Resident Evil 2, 3 and 7 are getting PS5 and Xbox Series X and S upgrades. This one comes from IGN. Capcom is bringing Resident Evil 2 Remake, 3 Remake, and 7 to PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series later this year with free upgrades for existing owners. The three games will receive visual enhancements for the new consoles, and those who already own them on PS4 and Xbox One will receive free digital upgrades. Capcom also confirmed that PC versions of the games will receive upgrade patches at the same time as the PS5 and Series X versions are released. Each of the three titles will be updated to include ray tracing, high frame rate, and 3D audio. The PS5 versions will also utilize the DualSense controller's haptic feedback and adaptive triggers. Chris, you are what I like to call this podcast official Resident Evil guy. Um, Yeah, I feel like I want to talk to you. Obviously, I I think you should lead discussions here uh, just because I know how much you love Resident Evil 2 Remake. Yeah. Uh, super excited. Uh, <laughs> some might wonder, it's like, why? Like you've played these games a million times because I'm willing to play them a million more times. So Resident mm-hmm. Evil 2 Remake, one of my favorite games. It's definitely in my top like five of all time. Uh, they did such a good job of it. I'm excited to see what they're going to, what more they're going to do with the engine. It just blows mm-hmm. me away. The fact that we're going to get these enhancements in these games 
means it's like what we're going to also get these enhancements in upcoming games that haven't been announced or we're expecting will be announced. So I'm excited to see what's coming from that. Um, Resident Evil 2, I will definitely be playing that again. Uh, I'm curious what these updates to the PC version are going to be. I'm not quite sure like how in-depth they're going to be because like the PC versions are already pretty decent. So I'm not 100% sure what they would be getting out of this console. Definitely, like they said, the ray tracing, 3D audio, high frame rate. The game already runs really good on console, so the high frame rate would just make it that much smoother. Uh, Resident Evil 3. You know, we've talked about 3 in the past. I mean, this is sure, this is great. I'll probably go through it again at one point because it's such a short game. Um, but that's also the downside of Resident Evil 3 is that it was made very, very short. And, and then 7. I'm actually kind of interested in this one because it... it that game was totally different, right? It went totally different style, switching to the first person view. Uh, it was definitely one of the games that was highlighted with the VR experience. So we've been speculating quite a while that um, Resident Evil 8 Village, why is there no VR option? Because we're thinking they're trying to do something with the new VR headset is what our thoughts are. So... Yeah. The fact that they're going back to 7, going to be adding these updates to 7, which I think are going to be really good for 7, actually. Especially the 3D audio. I think that's going to be insane, especially oh. especially if you're playing it in the VR. Because already, that was already terrifying. I played like a third of the game, maybe in VR, and I was like, nope, this is too much. I can't handle the stress. <laughs> but it's so good. So I'm super excited for the uh, all of these. And the fact that they're free upgrades, oh, like... Come on, this is this is how you do it. Like Capcom, you know, they, they make good money. They make good money. I don't think they're making like I, I'd have to look in the details. They're not making GTA money, so it's no, like, they're, like but they're year over year they're constantly doing better. Yeah. And I think they're understanding that you know their perception matters, how they treat their consumers matters, and it you know once they made those changes just a few years back. Um. Yeah. Now your company's more successful than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Go figure. So I know you and I were not like super excited for Street Fighter, but I think the fans of Street Fighter are also like they're wanting a new Street Fighter. So I, I'm excited. Yeah. Anything Capcom does now is like just cherry on top, and like we know well, we know in their back pocket they're sitting on Resident Evil Four and DLC. Yeah. For well, the, that's my thing. Yeah. Is like I feel like this is great free publicity for Resident Evil Four remake. Yeah. And it just means that the, those games are going to have all these features too, which is exciting. Yeah. Like, I want to play the uh, redone uh, Resident Evil 4 or Code, Ver Code Veronica, which we kind of want, but to have ray tracing, high frame rate, 3D audio. Because that's the thing is like the company, it's kind of whatever they s set the bar at, they, all their future projects are kind of at that bar or higher, right? So it's like seeing these other features being go added to the older games you know the newer ones are going to have these features, which is just exciting on top of that. Okay, so we're going to move on to our last article of the episode, which is Crunchyroll absorbing all of Funimation content for Ultimate Anime Library. This one comes from Push Square. Crunchyroll is absorbing practically all Funimation's content, as well as its subsidiary, Wakanim. Uh, however you say that, not everything will make the transition, though. About 80% of the content is moving across. In quotes from Funimation and Crunchyroll itself, starting today, tons of shows and movies from Funimation and Wakanim 
will begin arriving on Crunchyroll, so you'll get more subs, dubs, more everything. A blog post explains, that includes titles available now like My Hero Academia, Tokyo Ghoul, and Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, alongside favorites like Cowboy Bebop and uh, Mashuku, Tensei, Jobless Reincarnation, all under one subscription. Um, so Chris, I don't think you subscribed to any of these. I actually subscribed to both, so sounds like I get to cancel one of my subscriptions and keep most of the content. And yeah, I can confirm I'm seeing stuff already on Crunchyroll that I know they didn't have before. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's good for anime fans, at least so far, it seems like it is. Like, yeah, Sony kind of has uh, almost a monopoly over anime now, mm-hmm. but as long as they don't abuse it. And honestly, I think this is a smart move because Funimation always seemed to be the worst running of the two ser- uh, s- services. So I'm kind of excited. And I think it's smart they allowed Crunchyroll to be the the dominant service. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's smart. Like I said, I'll continue using. I like it. And yay, more anime. I'm excited to see... We keep talking and speculating, but I'm excited to see what more is to come. Like, I think this was kind of a natural thing that was going to happen. One of them was going to be dominant. It didn't make sense to keep both of them going at the same time. So no. Um the the main thing that comes from it is pricing like typically with that much added content you'd think okay well there's got to be a price bump somewhere maybe maybe not but i'm still going to speculate that i feel like there's going to be a crunchy roll playstation plus some sort of combo that's coming it'll probably be a little bit more pricier but it'll be just enough to make them you know an extra 2 dollars on top i i sus- very much suspect something is coming maybe not I wonder if it's like not right now in the cards, but if people do not take the Project Spartacus and they don't like the three tier thing, I wonder if this is something they're going to hold as like a, a, I don't know, an ace. Tack on to something. Yeah, just be like people are, you know, complaining that premium's not worth it. Okay, well, you know, and now you get included now. Yeah. You know, it's still probably not, you know, make a lot of people thrilled it wouldn't change a lot of minds maybe um but i just feel like it'd be something you could add later and be like hey i mean it's a little more worth the cost now yeah tack it on to like the the premium pass or the uh the retro game pass that we're expecting right so yeah yeah i could see something like that happening the only people that i would think that will super benefit from it are the people who are like already playstation plus people and crunchyroll people there's probably you might end up somehow <laughs> saving money on just if they combine the services. Um, yeah. I don't suspect it'll cost more. I mean, that's that's how like most like services are, right? Like your television, yeah. internet, home phone, you know, all that kind of stuff. Usually, they give you a deal when you're bundling services, like the big companies. So maybe they're we're, we're gonna get something like that, and then well, it's like in my opinion, it's good cross pollination. Oh yeah, because really like theoretically let's say someone who's a playstation fan first gets this service and again we're a lot of hypotheticals because we're also suggesting that they tack it on the premium um so then they get funimation for free they try it out suddenly they realize this whole wealth of anime content and now they realize they actually liked anime maybe they never checked out before or they weren't that glued to it but now, you know, you have ad-free access, all these different shows, all these seasons. 
And then they decide, well, I don't actually want PlayStation Spartacus, whatever it's called, uh, anymore. They might still want to pay for Funimation. Like, again, it's just they could help each other and vice versa. You could get someone that just happens to have a PlayStation, not really know too much about the old library, but they have Funimation, yada, yada, same thing, vice versa. Um, Yeah, it, it could be great for both of them, honestly. So anyway, I don't think we need to talk about that anymore. And that means we're done with all our articles. So we're going to move on to review roundup. First is Gran Turismo 7 sitting at a critic score of 87 on Metacritic, 85 positive, four mix, zero negative. Pretty good reviews, uh, despite all the microtransactions. Yeah. But I will note uh, a lot of them didn't go live conveniently until the yeah, game was released. Even after the reviews. So, you know, make of that what you will. Voice of the Cards, The Forsaken Maiden. I believe that is DLC for Voice of the Cards. This one's on PS4. Critic score 74. You got four positive, four mix, zero negative. Not a lot of reviews. So also, I'd look into that. Next is Elix 2. I don't know much about this game, but apparently it's a sequel to the first one. Sitting at a critical score of 72, five positive, six mix, zero negative. There you go. It's on the PS5, uh, if I didn't say that already. And lastly, it just came up as me and Chris were doing the write-up for the show, but uh, reviews for Babylon's Fall are have gone live. Chris, we're sitting at a Metacritic uh, score of 41. We have one positive from Gamers Heroes, uh, one mixed from Destructoid, and four negative from everyone else, including VGC, who gave it a 20 out of 100. Ouch. Uh, not looking good for Babylon's Fall, and I mean, we can talk about that in another episode, but I really think Platinum Games is in a bad place. Um, that game should have never come out at, with any cost. I think if it had any hope, it should have been free to play, you know, like we talked about with Lost Ark, uh, one of the smartest things it did. This game is another games of service, but again, it's not even a good games of the service, apparently, by critic reviews. and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Platinum Games is in a good place. Uh, that's all I'll say. But we can move on to homework. What is homework? Homework is when we don't have enough time in the show to get to everything that happened this week. So we give you the article headlines where you can get those articles and then you go educate yourselves. So there is a lot of Elden Ring homework this week. I'm just pre-warning. So let's get into it. Horizon Forbidden West patch tackles many community reported issues. This, in, this one comes from Game Informer. Epic Game Acquires Bandcamp. This one comes from Game Informer. I don't even know what to make of that one. Honestly, it sounds like it's a streaming service of a sort. The only thing I, the only connection I could make is Epic Games apparently seems to be investing in music mm-hmm. um, kind of types of games. So maybe that's the connection here. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense to me. Elden Ring players are selling runes on eBay, but could be banned. This one comes from IGN. Don't buy your runes online and especially from eBay. Come on. <laughs> Elden Ring is the UK's biggest non-FIFA or Call of Duty release since 2018. This one comes from IGN. Wow, congratulations from software. The Cuphead show on Netflix already renewed for season two. This one comes from IGN. Elden Ring publisher raises all employee salaries in Japan. This one comes from IGN. Well done. So I want to say that this is what me and you talk about all the time, about when you sell a game and that game is very well done, very, well received. very popular. Yeah. They invest in themselves. This is, you know, one of my biggest arguments against Game Pass and how when these things aren't going to be making the money they're used to, 
you're not going to see salary increases. Yeah. Elden Ring easy mode isn't happening. So deal with it. Uh, isn't happening on PS5 and PS4. This will come from Push Square. I added the deal. Unless you're a sorcerer. Unless you're a sorcerer. Unless you're a sorcerer. That's, there's your easy mode. Yeah. Uh, maybe not right at the beginning, but like not. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Once you get over that first bump, then you're okay. PS Store Essentials Picks uh, Sale offers hundreds of PS5, PS4 discounts. This one comes from Push Square. I took a look at it and I said, huh, I already own Elden Ring. What do I need to buy? On its release day, Babylon's Fall has peaked at fewer than 650 concurrent players on Steam. This one comes from VGC. Like I said, Platinum Games, not in a good place. Uh, the fact that they thought they could charge $70 for that game <sighs> and be in the state as, as it's in, oh my god, I, I don't even know what to say. Uh, and this sucks, because like Platinum Games isn't like hit after hit, obviously. They have the ebbs and flows, clearly, but like I really like my Nier Autonoma. I'm excited to whenever I feel the inkling to go to uh, near replicant and I'm excited to do that. But yeah, just, I don't know. This is uh this is concerning and I'm very interested to see what the future platinum games holds. So Chris, we got to the end of the show. We got through everything, which means that's it for this week's episode, obviously. Uh, so until next week, we just want to thank you for giving us your most valuable currency, which is your time it means everything to us. And until next week, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye, guys.